This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra. Trying to figure out what the young people are doing or planning because if anything is ever going to change in this world, it's going to be the young people that do it. So I found one. So I want to ask you, uh, brother, do you think uh, Bernie Sanders started the, the big upsurge today in youth interest in politics, or do you think it was something else? I think it was two things. I think just the general situation that young people find themselves in today really sparked uh, frustration with the way things are. And then I think Bernie Sanders gave people hope that there was something that could be done, whether that was misplaced or not, or the right direction or not. I think that's what reignited that flame that people want to change something and feel like maybe there is a way to do something. So today people are joining socialist organizations. Now believe me, back in my day you couldn't even say socialist, much less join a socialist organization. So people are joining socialist organizations today, and there are several of them, aren't there, or, or just one or two? Oh, there are all kinds of socialist organizations. They've been hiding for quite a while now, but, you know, uh, DSA, Democratic Socialist America, is pretty big. And there's social, you know, social democrats to socialists. And then the uh, Communist Party USA is growing again. There's PSL, FRSO, a lot of Trotskyist organizations. They're all growing, and it's especially among the youth right now. What's a Trotskyist organization? Is that named after... Uh, what's his name, Trotsky? Yeah, it's named after Leon Trotsky, um, after his feud with Stalin and the USSR. And they had a number of differences, and it really picked up in the U.S. Um, and so whether you disagree with it or not, they are a relatively large faction of the socialist movement in the U.S. and a few other places, particularly Europe and Latin America. Okay, so you mentioned the Communist Party. Actually, I happen to know the Communist Party came out of the Socialist Party. They were kicked out of the Socialist Party. And the reason I know that is because I saw the movie Reds. And in the movie Reds, uh, the ones who supported the Soviet Union, and I think this was in 1917 or 1918 or somewhere in there, they got kicked out. Then all these other groups came out of the Communist Party, right? Right. Um, a lot of these other groups came out of splits from the Communist Party. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different ideological splits, but the Communist Party USA is the original organization um, from support of the Soviet Union onwards in terms of a more Marxist orientation. A lot of the other socialist organizations that didn't come from the Communist Party are you know, uh, democratic socialists or social democratic, rather. So... They, they more or less came out of the Communist Party, and they split over, you said, ideological differences. But like what? Um, I mean, they could be all kinds of things. Sometimes it, it comes down to really personality differences. Sometimes people want a leadership role, and they find a little thing they disagree over, and they'll decide they want to go start their own little group. They take their followers and start a new party. Sometimes it'll be, uh, do we want to support this country or not? And then they decide they want to split over that. Um, Often they can be very petty differences, but sometimes they are serious differences in terms of where the organization sees itself going, what class or what group it wants to support, and things like that. This sounds like church. It was all Catholics for like the first 
10 or 15 centuries or something like that. Then there was the Protestant Reformation. And there was, they had Catholics and they had Protestants. Then the Protestants started splitting over this and that and the other, and we ended up with I don't know how many different sects. Uh, my, the scary one being the one that handles snakes. But there's one that says if you don't handle snakes, you're not real Christians. And uh, so they handle rattlesnakes. They hand rattlesnakes around to one another. And they are different sects based, I guess, what you said on ideological differences, but also based on just, just leadership fights. Somebody wanted to take over and do something different. Okay, but where is it all heading? Where are we going today? Are we just going to have more and more splits? Well, I think the thing is, instead of thinking in terms of this ideology or this, you know, party or organization is going to split from this, I think we have to focus on working class leadership and following the direction of growing the strength and power of the working class rather than, you know, which little tiny group is going to be the leader of the working class. Um, it does, when you get into this almost lifestyle left, uh, seem like we're in some kind of church group, but really we need to be very materialist and focused on the real world and focus on building working class power, whether that means these groups uniting together or the working class just pushing forward itself. Now you're starting to talk about something I know a little bit about. How would you assess the working class today? Would you say it's changing, moving one way or the other, getting better, getting worse, or what? I think the working class is finally starting to find its feet again and starting to grow again after decades of neoliberalism and just being pushed down by various political um, positions and policies that have been negatively affecting the working class. So I think now with a number of things that we're seeing, one of them is the working class is starting to grow again in terms of political power. So the working class is on the move and going upward. I have to agree with that. I think that's very smart. Now, what about other young people like yourself? What do they think, or do you, or do you think that other young people are, are drawn to this working class growth or not? I think it's something that a lot of young people are getting excited about. I think right now... Uh, there are a number of issues that young people care about, including you know, working class strength, combating racism in the society, sexism, homophobia, and things like that. And right now it's seen as, as one of the uh, many things along those lines to fight. But there is a segment that sees the working class united as a whole as the way forward to solve most, if not all, of these problems to some degree. There were statistics given this year showing that the American labor movement is continuing to diminish. It's continuing to, not, very, not by very much, it was like a tenth of a point or something. It went from 10.4% down to 10.3% or something like that of the workforce that is organized into unions. So is the, is the growth of the working class, isn't that supposed to be reflected in the growth of the unions? Because... The unions clearly are not growing in numbers. Yeah, that's true. I think it's a combination of factors. I think we do need to see that number uptick before we can really say that the labor movement is growing again and back on its feet. But I think we're seeing a consciousness increase in terms of working class consciousness. And it hasn't quite translated into 
higher unionization numbers yet, and that's due to a number of factors, but I think we're getting to the point where we're maybe going to see that start to shift again towards a positive increase in percentage of workers that are unionized. So are you excited about the Starbucks workers, for example? I understand that uh, in Austin, Texas, the first Texas organizing drive in Starbucks succeeded yesterday, and they uh, actually organized a union out of Starbucks in Austin. And I know there's at least two of them here in North Texas that, are, that are, have organizing drives underway. Are you excited about that? Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the most exciting changes we've seen lately, along with the uh, Amazon unionization success in New York. Um, of course, they've got a big battle ahead of them getting a contract and, and all the other things they're going to have to deal with in the process of really formalizing that success. But I think that's a symbol that, especially in places where younger people tend to work, that this is going to be a turning point, hopefully, where we spark a number of other successful unionization drivers in places where we haven't seen them in quite a while. Us old people recognize the role of young people in the Vietnam anti-war movement. Because in the Vietnam anti-war movement, remember they had the slogan, don't ever trust anybody over 30. So everybody in the, in the anti-war movement was under 30. They had long hair, a lot of them. And, uh, and they, were, they were really rebelling against their parents as well as the government. So do you think that the youth movement of today is in some ways comparable to the old anti-war movement back in the Vietnam days in that it is going to be run by younger people? I think so. I don't think there's really been a youth movement to this level that we've had in, since the anti-war movement in the 1970s. Uh, so... We're definitely headed towards that, and I think that's going to be youth-led. I think we're seeing a lot of youth leadership start to um, you know, come out of this movement, both in terms of labor organizing and in other areas, such as um, like you know, anti-racist fights and other struggles. These are really starting to be youth-led rather than older representation that we've seen for a long time, especially over the past you know, three or four decades. So the young people are really going to be taking a role. The new youth movement is one that's going to be building the labor movement or the, the, the movement of the working class. Uh, to what end? Well, I think, you know, millennials happen to be one of the largest age groups right now, and the following generation is also pretty large, and they're kind of coming into their own. I think we might not be seeing a level of 1930s organization yet, but I think maybe it might go into that level if we can continue to see this level of consciousness building. I think more and more people are being radicalized towards a growth, uh, towards interest in unions and other progressive organizations just from the conditions that we find ourselves in. You know, it's hard to find housing that's affordable. Uh, you know, food itself is expensive. We're seeing the highest gas prices most of us have ever seen, and we're looking for solutions. And I think we're learning that we're going to have to take power into our own hands rather than rely on somebody to do that for us. So if what you say is true, then we can expect major changes in the working class movement or in the progressive movement because of the fact that the young people are going to take a hand. And I think we can see that, see some of that in the solidarity that is being expressed, even though the actual numbers of union members has continued to go down. It's been going down since 1957. And uh, it's still going down, although it's only a tiny bit, but it's still going down. 
However, when we see something like a Starbucks organizing drive, suddenly there's thousands of people in support of it. We didn't used to see that. The really big change in the American labor movement today is the amount of solidarity. Not only unions supporting each other, but just the general public supporting unions. Is, is that your observation as well? Absolutely. You know, in one of the North Texas Starbucks that you mentioned that's working on organizing a union, they had a solidarity event, and they packed the store with people just showing solidarity. I think this is where it's really reflecting this change in perception and mentality. And it hasn't translated into union numbers yet, but it's starting to. And I think as more and more younger people find themselves in the workplace, that'll start to translate into higher union unionization numbers. Okay, now I'm a radio talk show host, and I want to know about the role of communications in all this because the truth is that the media is anti-worker. It's anti-worker in every possible respect. Even when they cover something that workers do, they always go in and ask management what management thinks about it, and they, and they feature management's point of view over the worker's point of view, I guess, because the newspapers themselves are run by those same very big corporations and all of the uh, all of the news agencies online and all the news agencies uh, in the ether waves, uh, CBS News or CNN News, all the, they're all big corporations and they basically give the the corporate point of view. So what's going to overcome that? There, the uh, the the world is against, or rather, the established world is against the working class making the kind of changes that you seem to be hoping for. So what's going to overcome that? Well, you know, corporate media is definitely an issue. And I think one thing is that younger people tend to trust corporate media less, and they really grew up in a social media environment. And I think this cuts both ways. I think in one aspect, social media has been a really useful tool in helping get give people different perspectives. But on the other hand, it's also kind of isolated them in ways that they feel disconnected from other people. So while the digital communications is still really important, I think where we're really going to see the changes made is one-on-one, in-person interactions, especially, you know, in the workplace where you can work to build a union, you can work to build your worker power in your own life, in, you know, relationships with people around you. So I think ultimately it's going to be a combination of, you know, what we see with the social media development, but ultimately it's an in-person thing. It's getting to know each other, getting to build these relationships and strength with each other. Okay, I'm talking to a young activist in today's milieu who seems to be thinking that things are going pretty well and that they and that we can look forward to some great things in the near future. Now let me just bring this down to the personal level. What do you actually want to happen? What do you want people to do? If anybody hears you on this podcast, what do you want them to do, especially young people? I think young people should look around in their communities and find the organizations that are making actual changes. And if they don't see these, then talk to people around you and start forming organizations about things you care about. It's really an in-person thing that you have to do. As much as sharing things on social media will help, I think once we get on the ground and we start to learn the organization tactics that have been pioneered from years ago and we can you know, hone these in for our own time, uh, we can really start to make changes. So I think 
if you want to make the changes that we want to see in the world, you know, a better place where workers are more in control of their own lives, then we need to get to work, honestly. It's just, you know, putting in the work in person, talking to people, and building that power. Okay, I'm game. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.